Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Carbide Content. I'm one of your hosts, John, with Triaxis. I am and I'm joined. Oh, I'm sorry. And I'm joined by my fellow hosts. <laughs> Dalen yeah, from Machine Was. I'm David from Contraption Collection. And I am Grant from Fellowship Blades. Yeah. All right. So, but, oh, David, come on. <laughs> <laughs> the worst part of the podcast. No, 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 no. The best part. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. 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 If I yell, it's because I can't hear out of my left ear. All right. Now, how has your guys' weeks been going? Yeah, All right. Grant. <laughs> Grant, you yeah. first. Uh, okay. Um, hey, we need so, a two week update. Oh, yeah, yeah, probably. Oh, Jesus. What did I do last week? Um, All right, don't worry well, about it. What, what are you excited to talk about? Yeah, okay. So, Dalen got a new surface grinder, which meant I got the hand me downs. Um, yep. and so I've been trying to figure out how uh, to, to get an Okamoto in my shop because. I bought a giant paperweight and that happened to take up the entire center section of my shop, which meant uh-huh. couldn't really put anything past the paperweight. Um, the paperweight being a Haas VF1, which is quite large. And oh, so yeah. so today I got to the shop and I didn't really have anything that I needed to do. And so I started just kind of looking at the VF1 and I was like, I need to get an Okamoto out of Phoenix soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started just taking apart the VF1 and that ended up being an all day ordeal. And <laughs> long story short, uh, we took apart the VF1. So we, I took like the vector controls, um, the, the whatever, you know, flux capacitor drive. <laughs> the <laughs> calculator. Yeah. I, yeah. But you know, all the important bits and. Yep. Uh, cut off a couple of the panels because we really like the graphic. Uh, yeah, the old Haas logo is cool. They're so good. So we cut. We just cut them out because I was like, I it's going to the scrapyard. Um, I Yo. want this, which was pretty fun. Um, then I called uh, the local scrapyard, which is like literally a quarter mile down the road. And I was like, oh, nice. hey, do you guys take like machines? Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was really... It's been a kind of a weird struggle finding like how how do you get rid of a big machine? Like yeah, I know right. how to sell a big machine. I know if it has a place, a destination, like where it would go, but truly right. just getting rid of it is kind of a hard question to answer. It is. Um but luckily the local scrapyard said they will take it. So I don't know I don't know if they really know that or <laughs> or intend to take this, but I'm banking on it. Um Is it there yet or is it still on the on the trailer? No, so so let's back up. So it's like it's like noon, and I call okay. the scrapyard. I'm like, all right, will you guys take this? And they're like, yes. And so I was like, great, it's it's go time. And I, there's a a large equipment rental place in the next town over, which is like a 15 minute drive. So I called them. I was like, hey, do you have a big forklift, like a really big forklift? And they they said, well, we have the SkyTrack, which. It's like a boom lift, you know, it's okay. it's a 8000 pound capacity, which is kind of just enough. Yeah, um, but it it's long. It's like 40 feet long. Jeez. And and my shop is like 40 feet long. <laughs> so <laughs> I said yes, naturally. And so I <laughs> went over, signed the papers. They delivered it at like 530 and or or no, sorry, at 430. And. I told Zeke, who left at four, I told him, hey, Skytrack's not here yet. I'll do it in the morning. 
so that, you know, I have people with me to do this, yep. as you should when you're lifting really heavy things. Correct. But then I was driving the Skytrack over to the shop because they dropped it off in the middle of the, the industrial area and then drove it over to mine. I was like, you know what? While it's running, I might as well just open the door and get it in there and see, see what it looks like. And then I was like, you know, while it's in here, I might as well just see if I can get the forks under the VF1. And I was like, you, you know, know while, the, <laughs> while the forks are under the VF1, I bet you I could lift it up. And sure enough, I did. Uh, okay. And so, you know, when you're like going under a machine casting and there's like a good spot for forklifts to go. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the, the boom lift forks are literally an inch wider than the VF1 base is wide. So nice. they they won't fit like the inside of the forks is an inch wider than the, the outside of the, the base. Oh, um, and I'm sure that you could put the forks within the inside of like their area, but it looked really painful to do. So I was like, you know, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take it at an angle. I'm going to go at an angle to the casting because now I'm going around the feet and it works. Yep. Problem is there's, you know, a lot of uneven terrain down there. There is. And so <laughs> I ended up, Picking up the VF1, one fork had a foot and the other fork didn't. So what I did is I just tilted the entire boom, which is pretty nice, like 10 degrees, mm-hmm. so that it leveled out the machine. And then that's nice. I Austin powers my way out of the shop because it was literally as tight as it possibly could have been. I have a 40-foot boom lift in like a 50-foot shop around a 90-degree turn, now with an, a giant mill on the end of it. <laughs> I as soon as I picked up the mill, I thought that I wasn't going to be able to get out because right. it was so freaking tight. But the boom has rear steer and parallel steer, so oh. you can you can transverse nice. like you anything, know, anything. And so thank God. But even with that, it was it took me an hour and a half to drive it out of the shop because I, I was just I inching a foot, turning a foot, rear steering, paralleling. Like I broke a bucket, but that was the only thing I actually hit. Um, and it was incredible, like also doing this all on my own, which was a huge mistake, but I was, yeah, I was there. Okay. Um, Are you forklift certified? Well, you know, who isn't forklift certified? I think we, we are all forklift certified. I've driven a forklift, but I don't trust myself with a forklift. I've never, I've never even sat in a forklift. Okay. So I've driven countless forklifts. I probably put more hours on a forklift than most people that are forklift certified have, but I, <laughs> but I'm not. So okay. the fact that they trusted me with this machine, let alone anyone trust me with a forklift, is a miracle. Yeah, I was just curious if you have to like show certification to get like to rent those things. You're like, how it works? No, it was it literally you just give five, them money and they give you that's a forklift. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I gave so them a driver's like a license. Cherry picker with forklift awesome. forks. Uh yeah, basically it's so it's a yep. it's yeah uh, yeah it's a boom lift with with forklift forks and it it's eight thousand pound capacity. Yep. Um, it's on his story and, if you want to see it. Yeah. <laughs> so if it was a normal forklift or like a normal machine rigger forklift, it would have been piece of cake. Yeah. But just the fact that it was forty feet long made this in a nightmare <laughs> to do. Um, I can't believe you got that out yeah, of That's own. crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's a. It's a it's a scrap machine at least. So like if you drop it, yeah, that that was oh, well. the only I I would not have done this with the machine I cared about, but yeah, because right, it yeah. was a scrap, I was like, you know what? It's a little tilted. I'm just gonna yep. leave it there. <laughs> right. Yeah, um, yeah. So that was today. 
uh, and that was great. But now the the machine's out. It's on a trailer, and in the morning I'm gonna haul it to the scrapyard. Nice. And uh, luckily, I hooked it up for uh, electricity already. So the locomotive now has a place to be and hey. electrical just sitting there, ready to go. Nice. Um, and then I started calling the locomotive riggers, and I think should be here. Well, they haven't figured it out yet, but I think it should yep. leave uh, probably tomorrow, and then be here in a week or two. Oh wow! On it, cool. Which yeah, will be sweet. Um, right, so, that, so, so what was the problem with the uh, grinder though? The Okamoto, it has a couple. Um, it has a it has a communication error between the CPU and the like main drive unit. Um, like the main servo drive. There's actually only there's only one servo drive, and it's for the for the what is technically the Y axis. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> oh, because they're horizontal machines. The spindle up down. So there's some communication error there. Um, so if it 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 takes a while for it to turn on and leave an alarm state. However, once it does leave that alarm state, if you don't turn it off, it's not a problem. And then the only other issue is uh the uh the table in feed like like forward backwards it'll just kind of stop moving when it feels like it okay mm. so the plan yep. is like grant will try to use it and it won't work and then he'll do this again <laughs> and then he'll ship oh it to God. john john will john can then try to learn to use it for his, his instructors to fix it for him yeah, everybody takes a turn on the broken okamoto yeah it's the village <laughs> bicycle <laughs> Basically, yeah. Uh, well, so so the real plan is hopefully I can fix it, and however much money I spend on fixing it is going to be the discount from how much I actually end up uh, buying yep. it from Dayland. So pretty much, yep. And fortunately, um, I guess shout out to Frank and Ford's blades. Um, his his poor dropped Okamoto is a perfect oh, yeah. donor piece for a lot of the parts that he may need. Yeah. So it's definitely a project, um, which is one of the yeah. reasons why. Uh, the old, my old grinder is still hooked up and will be our backup yep. for a long time. Yep. I still have my Tormach grinder just in case. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Once I know that the brown and sharp is truly, truly reliable, then I'll consider getting rid of the Tormach. Until then, it's sitting in a corner, sad, waiting for work. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. Yep. Um, but you got that, your grinder, Dalen, already, right? I have a lot of stories. Right, okay. Yeah. Let's, let's wrap. So the o- other big thing for me is I started working on the Kukri blade with Dalen's yep. fancy end mills, which is looking fantastic. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was like a cheat code. Uh, OSG. Uh-huh. Yeah, whoever is doing hard milling, go buy OSG because seriously, they're the right end mills for the job. They, they lo- are like, you know, what's what really impressed me is uh, the OSG ball end mill actually chipped. Um, and it's odd that you that I'm saying this as it impressed me. Okay. But it it was leaving a fantastic finish with a chipped ball and mill. Interesting. When when my Harvey finish when my Harvey end mills no longer leave a good finish, they still look brand new. Yep. So it's it's the coating that's wearing. It's not actually the end mill that's breaking. Yeah. Um so the uh, fact that it it was able to perform really well for six bevels and show where that it's actually being used, but like it's still performing really well. Uh, pretty cool, yep. and I knew yep. I was I was pushing it really hard. I was uh, the plunging is just plunging straight into the bevel. I'm not like leading it in; oh, it's God. just going ham. Because I was like, you know what? It's prototyping and whatnot. Yeah, it's, it was a first draft of the type, and I wanted to see what it could do, and it's yep. 
full sent it really well. Awesome. Yeah, I, I guess consistency is like the biggest word I would use with them that impressed me so much. Yeah. Have oh, you ever definitely. like 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 with a fresh Harvey ball and mill for hard milling? Have you ever had? Uh, you probably haven't because it's not the way you do it. Uh, like the way your pattern is different than mine. I'll get random sections on one bevel with a brand new tool where it's a really good rainbow finish. And then it's another section that's also a really good rainbow finish, but a different rainbow finish than like the first half of the bevel. And there's a very distinct line between them. Mm. Haven't had I that a single time with the uh, with the OSG stuff. I, I have seen similar things on the steps of like a, a distinct level will be very different than the next level. Yep, and it's not and dimensionally different. It's just visually different. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's really weird. Yep. So yeah, OSG is mm, so good. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the Kukri, which right now is in between, uh, it's in between kind of your finish, Dalen, and then John's finish. It's mm-hmm. kind of very slight step overs, but it's still obvious yep. step overs. Yeah. I think I'm gonna crank it a little bit harder and try to make it smooth. Um, That'd be cool. But yeah, it's super consistent after tumbling and polishing looks fantastic. And the one I tumbled and polished that I showed on the story was the sixth bevel. That was the last one that ran. Nice. So it's near perfect after uh, three knives, which That's is awesome. Sweet. Are you doing a backside support for the bevels? Nope. I'm doing I'm I'm doing like I, like I said earlier, a bunch of tabs all the way around. Oh, yeah, uh, just but, tabs. Oh, yep. yeah. Tabs and but, send it. Yeah, tabs and send it, and no backside nice. support, and it's literally awesome. perfect. I, I wonder if I over-engineered my, uh, my my Opus Blade palette. You probably did, but it probably also has still helped. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I've, I'm only just finally getting blades that I'm happy with, and I'm still waiting for two more runs to be good before I call it finally dialed, but it's a never-ending, yeah. like, brick wall that my head is perpetually being rammed into. Yeah, I'm yeah. the same with them. Yep. I, I definitely, uh, with how easy this went, the as many tabs as possible, I think, is the way. Uh, nice. At least for me. It it ruins a little bit more material. Like, it's uh, you can't nah, get as fine. many blades out of a sheet, but nah, you okay. get that's, that's inst- Yeah, but you get instant rigidity and work holding where you need it, as opposed yep. to trying to fiddle with clamps and supports where they, yep. they, they're supporting from, like, an inch away where they should be yeah. kind of stuff. Um, just having tabs guys, all over uh, is pretty cool. Do you guys torque uh, your fixtures? Do you, no. Like, do you have like a torque wrench and and use it to you know tighten <laughs> do down not. your fixtures? I have but, a um, I have a clutch on my drill. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I have. Too. Uh, okay, yeah, yep. I use the torque wrench. Yeah, we have the same every, drills. Every forgot. single fastener. I used to. <clears throat> okay. John, you do? You said. Yep. Yeah, I see. I'm just using like a small quarter inch drive one, but I thought Grant maybe you're using like a screwdriver. Yep. Uh, well, so I used to use a bike torque wrench. Um, oh, okay. And I forget what the actual poundage, but I I got it to a good torque range, and every bolt was torqued down, and it took me like 30 minutes to load a pallet. Uh, and then I think Dalen told me about his Milwaukee. Uh, it's a little. It's a screwdriver. It's it's not an impact and it's not a drill. It's an actual screwdriver, um, like like an electric screwdriver. For, <laughs> but it's like, like the the form, the shape of a screwdriver. It well, no, it's the it's the shape of it like a a drill. But oh, it's, okay, okay. You know, it's just it, meant for it's just light duty. Yeah, it's light duty screwdriving. Yep. Um, and yeah. it's got a clutch on it. So for my handle palette I don't use the clutch I just tighten it as much as possible but for the blade palette since they're still aluminum threads 
Um, I just know the blades are steel, but either way, I, I put it to 14 and I send okay. it till it clicks and it, yep. it works great. Yeah, I do 16 on everything and it works out pretty well. So, well, like uh, on pit bulls, like half inch pit bulls, I'll do uh, like 35 inch pounds. Um, and uh, but the, the problem I kind of have is is for handle handles uh, op two in aluminum, uh, I'm using like the brass clamps. Mm-hmm. Uh, the brass pit bulls, and I'm I'm doing only like ten inch pounds, which feels like super light. Uh, but I have like even that, I feel like I'm not sure if it's making marks that are hard to tumble out. Uh, right. I keep I just keep going lower and lower. Yeah, uh, they have a I lot of old be able to tumble it out. I'm definitely but impressed I, with pit bulls. I don't know. Do you like? I don't know if I remember how you guys hold things in op two. Um, it, well, uh, so- you know. Uh, this is probably better for Dalen and John, but um, I just clamp where I know I'm going to cut an op three, and then op three I clamp on a very shallow surface that is easy to tumble out. Um, yep. So. Interesting, because I'm doing two op handles. Uh, yeah, right. so it's not even an op three. Yep. For my two op handles, I just I I utilize some threaded holes on on the inside that I just bolt the parts to a to a sub plate that goes on the fixture. Um, I avoid using clamps for for mm. secondary ops if i can sometimes you got it though so well, yeah and, and your handles are aluminum which is it's going to be hard to not mark it aluminum. is yep. yeah well <laughs> yeah. Tell me week and david oh gosh yeah, so i've had a hell of a week um today is the first day that we have made chips in the shop nice Wow. So that's exciting, Congrats. I guess. Thursday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's been a long process. So we got the Brownie Sharp grinder in. That was delivered to my rigger's place on Monday, I think. Yeah, I think it was delivered on Monday. And uh, my riggers were completely backed up for like over a month, but they managed to squeeze me in on a Tuesday. So like the next day. Nice. Uh, so it was fantastic. I had absolutely wonderful riggers. Um, had to move my entire shop around to fit in the Brown and Sharp because it is that much bigger than the Okamoto. It is almost as big as my Mighty Viper, and it weighs almost as much as both of uh, as either of my mills. Oh yeah, my it's gosh. like a 14-inch wheel, right? Yeah, it's like almost 6,000 pounds, according to the, the freight invoice, at least. Holy cow. That's a lot of blades. That's a it lot is, of blades. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a 12 by 24. The chuck alone probably weighs... Easily 100 to 150 pounds. Damn. Yeah, it's, it's a big grinder. Um, so I spent a, a decent amount of time on Tuesday, Monday night and Tuesday morning trying to figure out how I wanted to lay the shop out. Because once the machines are in there, they're there for the foreseeable future. And uh, I wanted to push everything more towards the front of the shop so I could put more equipment into the back of the shop where the garage door is in the future. Um, so I managed to basically get... Uh, the entire backside of the shop empty, which is where everything was. So I basically doubled my my shop space for machines. Nice. Which is great. Um, I couldn't get an electrician in, in in any timely manner to wire my machine. So I became an electrician again. Nice. Uh, we did a pretty actually decent job wiring everything up. I had uh, I had my machinist help me out. Uh, putting cables along the wall and all that. Bought like about 250 foot of a uh, of six four cable, which is a uh, 
six gauge inside cables stranded and it's uh four of them because it's three phase nice that was like almost two thousand dollars in cable holy cow yeah it was crazy um and i needed more than i thought i probably only have 50 feet left oh wow Uh uh-huh so just a lot of wiring um finally got everything wired up yesterday got power to the mighty and the miltronics and the grinder made sure that they all turned on which was good I had to swap the grinder from 460 to 208, which uh, I thought was as simple as uh, swapping over a couple bridges on the internal transformer. Right. Which technically it was. There's some more stories on that, though. Um, got the Mighty Miltronics leveled, repicked up offsets. I think they, they shifted around like about a thou in each direction. Not too bad. So mills are finally good, ready to run production again. However, today I got my hydraulic fluid in for the grinder because they they have to ship it uh, without fluid. Right, right. Um, started making sure everything was working properly, and it everything was working until I oh, left the smoke oh. out. Oh no! <laughs> I might have caught it on fire a little bit. No, teeny bit. Just a teeny bit. Um, so like we're. We're sitting here. We were noticing that the hydraulic, like the hydraulics for the table, didn't seem very good. It was kind of like catching at the end of its travels and wasn't being very happy. Mm-hmm. I, I was, I was kind of bummed about that. I was like, oh, okay, man, I, it's just old, I guess, or it sat for a while. Maybe it needs to warm up or whatever. So I was kind of like let down by that at first, and uh, I was trying to figure out how to program it, all that, trying to get things ready to make sparks on it. And then me and Jacob, my machinist, are like. In unison, we look at each other and start sniffing the air, and we go, "What's that smell?" Oh no! We start walking around the shop. Maybe we close the garage door, and thinking maybe it's someone outside burning rubber or something. We come back in, and the smell gets significantly worse. And we're like, "Oh, the grinder's smoking." We look at the at the control panel, and the exhaust fan is just billowing out smoke. Oh no! Damn. <laughs> so, what's... so, oh sorry, I fixed it. Oh. Um, okay. What was the problem? So. The entire machine was wired for force 460 volts. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, it has two three-phase motors on it. It's a 1980 machine. Those three-phase motors also have to be rewired. Oh, uh, yeah. I never would have thought... <sighs> like, it makes total sense, but it's also something yeah. that you wouldn't think about on a modern machine. Yeah. So, I, yep. I you know, I... I rewired the internal transformer for two, you know, 208. So it was shoving 208 to the spindle motor and the hydraulic pump motor. Right. Which were still wired for 400 and like 40 volts, I think. So so it was running at half. half It was running at half the power and, and the hydraulic motor because it was running at like, I think when you do that, it's like a quarter of its power. It was basically stalling out the, the hydraulic pump motor. Oh God. How Um, does it start a fire? It, it was definitely internal. Up, it, it just, yeah, it, it, it got really hot. Um, so what the smoke was, it was actually the smoke coming from the motor and then going up through the conduit where the wires come in, and that conduit leads into the uh, enclosure. And so it was just leaking smoke through the conduit into the enclosure. Yeah, I'll be um, surprised if the hydraulic yeah. motor lasts for another month. Yeah, we'll they see do, how much longer it lasts. They do not um, like getting hot. They don't. Well, it's funny enough, it's just a regular three-phase motor that then runs a shaft to the pump. Mm-mm. Oh, okay. It's it's not too bad. Um, it's running really well now. I rewired that one for 208. 
and it's and the and the high the, the hydraulic table is really smooth and happy now. It doesn't stall out anymore. Nice. That's so that's good. Um, I am gonna order another one though, just in case. Yeah, definitely. it shouldn't be more than like five hundred bucks. It's a pretty bog standard three phase motor. Okay. Um, so, yep. All I have to do now is rewire the spindle motor uh, down to two hundred eight, and then that machine should be ready to go. Nice. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so it it it. Fortunately, nothing was truly truly damaged. I mean, the motor was damaged, um, but I think it's still going to last a while, and I'm going to buy another one anyway. So. Nice. Is this something that you think like someone could have warned you about, like, or if like an electrician was doing the wiring, they would have been like, "Oh, you gotta do this." I, honestly, I don't think so because I called the um after I realized what happened, I called the the support company for this machine, and okay. um, I got someone on the phone. And I was like, "Hey, so I got this machine. Here's the serial number. I swapped it from 460 to 208. Do you know if you need to rewire these motors? You know, to also be 220." And he's like, huh, that's a really good question. I don't know. <laughs> Let me get a hold of our electrician right. for these machines and we'll call you back. Oh, no. And is that and how you found out? They haven't called me back yet. So I just oh, kind of. I just guessed. I mean, essentially, but like, I mean, it made sense. Like it can be wired for two, you know, 208. I have 208 to the machine. So it, it kind of just made sense to do it. So I did it on the hydraulic pump and tested it and it was happy. So I have to do it this middle now. Yeah. So hopefully they call me back tomorrow with more information, but um, huh. yeah, that was a fun learning experience. Yeah, I'm not sure I would have thought of that. I wasn't. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, know. I've yeah, I don't know. Maybe a professional electrician who's a little more versed in these older machines probably would have thought of it. But like short of that, finding any any information on stuff like this is pretty difficult. So like yeah. if that's the worst of my electrical snafus in this entire project, I'd call that a pretty good win. So does it now like the table moves around? more nicely yeah the table moves flawlessly now it's it's really nice okay um, that's cool. yep and it's it's such a big grinder the wheel is <laughs> i think the wheel on the okamoto was a seven or eight inch diameter wheel this is a 14 inch diameter wheel that's crazy like, it's, it's huge it's scary like every time i turn the spindle on <laughs> it's scary yeah, you me. gotta balance the hell out of that yep and the the entire machine only sits on on three points which is kind of odd to me that is it only has three feet yeah, it'll it'll be really easy to level though. You just level left to right, and then just kick the the one foot in the back to level it more. Yeah. You know, front back. Super easy to level. Yep. Um. So yeah. What kind? What Up kind is, of like cuts do you take with a wheel that big? I have no idea. It's a five horsepower spindle. Um. It's probably going to be similar still. It'll probably be like two tenth depths with like probably three eighths of an inch step overs. Okay. Okay. So, that's my guess. Yep. I it's mean, I'm only grinder. taking like 30,000 step overs on the Tormach, so. Yeah, exactly. So way bigger step overs, but still like, you know, two, three tenths max on depth. Nice. Um, yeah, so yeah, Sweet. it feels good to have the shot moved around. The riggers are incredible. They they moved four machines. They got the Okamoto out. They got, so I had to take all three machines out. So the Okamoto, the Miltronics, and the Mighty. And then they had to bring in the... Uh, the brown and sharp and then bring the other two mills back in so they moved like four or five machines in total made like four or five trips and they did it all in an hour and five minutes that's crazy yeah <laughs> it, wow. it took me that much to just move out the house. yeah right yep <laughs> yep no they, they just got right in there and just got forks under they, they actually took the mighty out at a at they lifted it up at, at a 45 degree angle as well hmm. oh really 
Yep, they just, I mean, they they slid in there and just brought it right up, almost no hesitation. Wow. Yep. Yeah, they're 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 pros. I don't move heavy things. I people I people to do it, and I don't regret it. So, I don't, if I, I don't was designing a mill, I would want it to be like liftable in as in as many different ways as possible. I you right. Know, you know, you said I don't know why why they don't like make a spot for a forklift fork to come in, like extend so, the casting by two inches. Like, so one you may notice it on your machines. Um, if you look underneath, you might see holes going through the casting in in different directions. That's where you're supposed to put pipes in. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. You you put bars through those pipes so you can get so you can get forks on the outside if you have. You to. know, I take back what I said. That makes perfect sense. Yep, uh, yep. And fun, <laughs> funny enough, actually, the the brown and sharp has two grooves throughout the entire casting where forks fit perfectly. Oh, that's so good. And even the covers that that go around it have those notches cut out for forks. Like it, yeah. <laughs> wow, that's really cool. Right. So that's been my my week. It's been a lot of like no production and no making money and lots of spending money, but rearranging the shop and getting it nice and happy and good. Yeah, it'll, it'll be worth it whenever you, that grinder it is. gets up and running. Yeah, for yep. sure. Yeah, so I missed the drop this week, sadly, because I, I had no time to assemble. It, oh, um, yeah. Yeah, so, I think they'll understand. Yeah, I, I just put my post out about it. People have been really cool about it. So starting Monday, uh, I'll have my, my head down just banging out assembly. Nice. Yeah, and I think my last update is I have an intern, a 15-year-old intern, starting tomorrow. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> oh, no. I, uh, Another Arbor Press situation <laughs> in the making. No, I don't I don't foresee that happening, um, partially because I I now understand more of what I need to uh, yeah. to kind of help and, and pay attention to. But, you know, on, on, so to give you a little bit of uh, encouragement, Rage did really good today. I nice. put him back on assembly and he awesome. did. Uh, I think he did three knives perfectly and, you know, Sweet. no issues, no scraps. So there is hope for your 15 year old, but I, I do hope yep. Yep. that it works out. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, it's tomorrow is a, like a kind of I'm not I'm not going to do interviews anymore, really. I'm just I'm doing I'm trying out a um, a paid trial day. Mm hmm. Okay. We're, we're, we're going to try that route instead. I, th I think that's fair. I, it, yep. It's a little bit more information than it is. an interview. Yep. Exactly. So yeah, we'll see how it goes, but I don't know, fingers crossed and some hopes. Yeah, that'll be good. Yeah. But yeah, that's been that's been my, my week. A lot of letting out smoke, I guess. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Hopefully no more. Yeah, hopefully no more. This yeah. dude the spindle motor, you know, it's from 1980. It's really clean inside the like inside the column casting, which is where the motor is for the spindle. Mm -hmm. But uh, I took the cover off to get to all the wires for the motor, and like coolant fell out of it. Oh, and uh, they're all just like a, all the leads were taped together with electrical tape, and it turned into just like goo. Oh, yeah. It felt like I was putting my finger in some weird alien creature pulling out wires, and it's just gross and nasty. Oh and I don't God. want to rewire yeah, it tomorrow. Thing. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm I, I, I've it been tomorrow. there. I've put my hand in 10-year-old coolant. Yep. And yeah. all of the labels for the for the wires have um, disintegrated, so I don't know oh. which wires what anymore. You'll have to learn how to check it with the multimeter. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Nice. Oh yep. Who's next? David, you're gone. Oh, <laughs> I'm going well, with. maybe some of you saw my video. Yep. And uh, so hopefully I'm going to 
sell a pair of scissors this weekend and hopefully mm-hmm. it'll all go smoothly. And, it's very exciting. Uh, definitely anxiety about that. I th- maybe the anxiety's sort of loosened. The scariest part was like just when I like had to press, you know, make public on the video. Yep, publish video. It's like I just kept waiting for like somebody to give me permission or something. Right, yeah. Like something I need to check or do or whatever. Uh-huh. Um but at some point I just had to say go. And uh you know, that probably is a thing that uh has applied to this entire project. It's it's uh-huh. so hard to tell what's like you you know, you getting in your own way and, and what's being smart and careful and yeah right uh, um or 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 what's being your own worst critic i think i said <clears throat> mm-hmm. um but yeah hopefully that'll go good i think it kind of actually being like okay this one's good this one's the one i'm gonna sell whatever it kind of made me rethink how i want to do things where i kind of wanted to do a maker's choice type of thing where because I'm making lower numbers, I'm like, I'm going to make them all different colors and I'm going to plan out, like I'll do a batch of this color and a batch of this color and I'll do some with this pattern, this pattern, and they'll all end up kind of different, you know, and it'll be fun. And like, maybe I won't, you know, maybe I'll do like 20 that way. I don't know if I'll do 20 auctions, but like, however I do it, you know, they'd be like somewhat unique. Mm -hmm. And it was just so stressful doing like the final stuff with the scissors where I like uh, re-loctited it and stuff and was kind of messing with it and just the idea that like if I drop it then like I have to remake the handles with the same pattern I have to get them anodized again I have to take them to a laser engraver again Mm -hmm. it's like so uh, nerve wracking Uh, I I need to make my an assembly room entirely out of foam or something. <laughs> yep. Uh, so I never fear Don't dropping worry. anything. If you do that, you'll still find the one corner that can be. Yeah. Exactly. I, yep. That's how it works. <laughs> and so I think, uh, um, I think I'm just going to try to make a bunch that are, are uh, exactly like the one I'm selling, which will be good. Cause you know, I think people, are really afraid of like FOMO stuff, fear of missing out where it's like, you're just doing different stuff so that we are afraid to, you know, we'll never get a chance to get it again or something. So I, I think it's good right. that like number two will probably end up looking like number one. And so, I think so uh, too. you know, or, or even the first dozen, however many. Yeah. Um, and so one thing I did is I tried to remake the hexagon pattern, but I had said that I had problems with uh, the like tiny engraving tool I was using. Mm-hmm. So, you know, over the course of making different handles, different patterns, I've tried switching from, you know, 20 thou pointed uh, tip or uh, ball at the, you know, an engraving bit and those breaking. And I switched to a 132nd ball and I hadn't really had any problems with that, but it's still like not super happy with it and still a little nerve you know, make you a little nervous. I I think I probably broke a one or two. I can't remember. Um, And so I switched to a 16th ball and I thought it wouldn't be possible to do this intricate hex pattern. Um, And, uh, and so I modified the hex pattern slightly, but 
Uh, I think it looks even better now. Yeah. Um, at some point, I'll, I'll uh, post a picture probably to Instagram or something. But uh, yeah, it's just with the 16th, it, it, I was saying this a couple podcasts ago. It's like I keep being surprised at how much detail you can get even when you're like going to a bigger ball or whatever. And it's mm-hmm. you'd think like the cusps would be a problem or uh, you'd have to go like super shallow with the engraving. Um, and so, yeah, even though I said that already, I hadn't tried it. And, and then I tried it and it's like, oh, wow, this is even better. It's like more yeah. defined and it's like more grippy and it like, you know, it has even more like of a 3D look to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm pretty happy with that. That's that's one thing I did this week. Nice. Um, and then, uh, you know, to go with with what I'm saying of of like trying to get more consistent today, I was like, I'm just going to clean off my whiteboard and just like try to figure out how I can keep track of like what parts I think are good and started like just laying out like here's all the parts for the scissors and you know how many are in op one how many are in op two how many are tumbled how many are are uh um you know uh heat treated and uh you know etc cetera, etc cetera. and uh and you know yeah it, it it's like I should have done this a long time ago because I have kind of a mix of parts where it's like it varies from definitely scrap <laughs> to even more definitely scrap because it's like a three-year-old prototype to, uh, you know, pretty good to like, okay, this is definitely going to be used unless something crazy happened. Like these are great parts. And, uh, and so I've just started trying to like, you know, sort stuff out, get rid of stuff, you know, make notes of things and uh and like figure out like you know i always have these things in my head occasionally i write things down i try to keep a to-do list but like Mm -hmm. i'm trying to just like make something on a whiteboard where i can like see everything at once yep yeah i need uh, to do i need to work on scheduling and stuff like that because right now it's like as by the seat of my pants as possible yeah yeah like i know how many things i want to get every week and so I just do it <laughs> and yeah. I have no way of tracking any of it yep. except for the finished parts. That's my tracking right now. And it's a very bad system. Yeah. How much you put out like based on you saying that, cause I'm okay. like, it's amazing how much you're able to get done, not oh. tracking anything. I guess. I, I don't know if a spindle isn't running. I make sure it is outside of that. Uh, I, I will say, trying... sorry, go oh. ahead. Well, I'll say, um, we were talking about earlier, and I, I was doing the same thing. Although, there was one thing that changed, uh, because Zeke and I were having problems communicating, um, of like, hey, we knew, realized that we need more hardware, but if Zeke just tells me when I'm doing something, I'm going to forget, uh-huh. whatever. And so we set up uh, Airtable, which is its own like inventory management system. Okay. Most of it, I think, is only necessary if you're like a huge business, but... One feature is you can click a button and it'll send me an email and says, hey, we're low on screws. And then it it gives all the info of like, hey, here's where we order screws, how much they are, who we talk to, you know, whatever. Um, And that's been really good because you can just open the app, hit a button. And then whenever I get the email, like, oh, yeah, when I come in the next morning, we need screws and I can go order and take care of it and then click fulfilled and it goes away. Nice. That's pretty cool. That's really nice. Yeah, I should uh 
I, I said a couple episodes I made like Kanban cards for for my end mills and stuff. I should just make something like that for my screws too. Um, yep. I tried to I tried to like you know I have like such a variety of like screws and hardware from other prototypes, but I've like got rid of everything except uh, what I'm doing. But I I didn't make any cards or anything for that, and I should do that. Yep. Um, and then also I have little magnets. Uh, like I have magnetic thumbtacks on my whiteboard, so I'm kind of just for now putting them like in between op one or two or whatever to like mm-hmm. show in progress. Mm-hmm. But I should like revisit some videos of Pearson or something and try yeah. to copy whatever he does. Yeah. Very cool. So uh when's the auction? Do you have a time yet? Uh yeah, it's in the description of the video. Let me check oh, it, okay. so I don't say it wrong. I, I'm doing eleven AM Eastern time to the next day, 11 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, so what? that's like uh, three hours earlier if you're in California. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yep, I don't know. I'll, uh, I'll update the YouTube description. I'll make an Instagram post, all that stuff with uh, the link. Yeah, Very that's cool. going to be exciting. I'm looking forward to that. Me too. I started something great, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yep. I hope oh. so. My video got picked up more by the YouTube algorithm than I expected. Yeah, I just wanted to go see how many views it had. It's like <laughs> 47,000 or something. Yep. Oh, nice. nice. That was pretty good. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, uh, unless like half of them are people who have like no idea the, about like uh, the ball scissors and well, the flood in. I, yeah. For, I, I mean, if anything, so I, I had my little auction which gave you a little teaser of what you could see. There were like 15 people that really actually tried for the auction and it, it went for frankly a, a really good price. So with your audience, I think it's going to be, you know, it's going to be crazy. So yes. It's in a good way. Pretty, pretty goofy. I think <laughs> I, I, I'm not worried about like it being like not enough bids or too low. I, you know, I think I worry about just, uh, people trying to be disruptive or something but i i don't know my audience is really nice and Mm -hmm. and uh i like basically get no negative comments and things so i'm trying not to i'm i'm trying to you know deal with my anxieties just just make a separate meme page and you'll be fine everyone can get it out out there yep yeah i mean i think i I actually will do something like that (laughs) i like it and you'll have mods to to help the Keep it yeah. all running smoothly. Yep. What have you been up to, John? Making lots of lots more good parts. It looks like. Yes, long, yeah. long lines of scrap. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh no! Yeah, they're they're all good. Uh, okay, good. I tried to do like a long, long run last night for like. Yep. I was like, all right, the tombstone fully works. Like no crashes this time. All good. Yep. I was like, all right, the pallet works. I was like, I can just combine the two, right? <laughs> so, like when you post out a fusion, like they're not in one design file, the tombstone and the pallet. Okay. So there's no way to like use an NC program and link them as far as I'm okay. aware. So like in Visual Studio, I just like took oh, the start code from one and yep. just, you know, deleted the end code of the other and just mashed them together. Yep. 
So that was fine. And then it was going to be like a seven and a half to like nine hour runtime. I don't know how long it nice. would actually take because I don't haven't run it. But yeah, uh, I had like a degree per minute error feed rate error because for the backspacers, so Fusion has this new toolpath called Deburr. And oh. it worked, oh. worked really. Yeah, the update came out like two days ago. But wait, are you? Did they do exactly what I had to completely hand write my entire lollipop in mill? Yeah, probably. Oh <laughs> my god. <laughs> um, so it works really good, and then the backs, the backspacers with their weird holes that are really hard to deburr. And we talked about doing like a we talk. It's like a pipe cleaner, or whatever. On a David suggests it. Oh uh, yeah, like, oh, yeah. there's the abrasive ball sun pipe cleaner thing. Yeah, oh, I don't know. Yeah, so I was like, I would really like the machine to be able to deburr this because you can hit the edges with a ball end mill, but you have to move the the tombstone simultaneously to do it. You can't just mm-hmm. orientate it and hit it. And so there wasn't really a good way to do it. What I was doing was making modeling chamfers and then using flow to do it. Yep. And that was kind of the, I'm sure it's not the only way, but it was the only way that would really generate anything worthwhile. Well, Deburr took a while to mess with to get it to work with like the fourth axis, but when it did work, it worked really good. And then all I had to do was like just copy and paste it and then select the next um, edge essentially. And it auto rotates where it's supposed to kind of thing. Like you don't have nice. to set orientations and stuff, yep. but it was pretty janky getting it to work so (laughs) it it did take a little while but that's kind of cool so it feed rate aired because the only way to get the mill to smoothly move the tombstone and cut it simultaneously was to switch from uh i don't know camera inverse time or inverse feed for rotary oh yeah i might know sort of what you're talking about Mm-hmm. versus like degrees per minute and for degrees yeah to work you have to have a like an actual your part uh outer dimension has to be defined in the control for it to be able to use degrees per minute i guess and that's how it ah. does the feed rate math okay mm. so i i left it on because for that deburring path but there was another tool path for the clips that used it it was just like a regular feed rate type thing but because that degree per minute thing was on, it was like, try to feed at 800 inches per minute. Oh, I, don't, I don't really think that's what the literal movement speed was, but that was over the feed rate that the control okay. can use. So it just alarmed out. But I walked back in the garage only like an hour or two later. And I was like, okay, so the mill's got an alarm and the end mill is sitting right above the tombstone. No. <laughs> you better have not hit that. <laughs> oh my god so i was like okay cool and so, then, uh, sorry yeah no go ahead david well just uh you had figured out how to dipper it without this new thing though right not really i was kind of just oh. like nobody's gonna see the edges because they're internal mm. yeah they weren't like they're not um what's the word they're not like there's a burr that's visible left it's just the fact that the edge is straight. Do you want an edge break? Yeah, I just want something visually appealing. Yeah. Kind of thing. Um, and so I was just leaving them before and then trying to tumble them. But, you know, they're kind of internal. 
Yeah. And then, you might be able to do like the seven hour run and then just like the deburring thing after the seven hour run, maybe. Yeah, you can. I just like I just posted that set of code and then just copy and pasted it in. Yep. It sounds like, like it's just like a a post processor edit. Like you just need to disable the, whatever modal code that is. Right. Yeah. Well, because to actually switch it from inverse time to degrees per minute, it's a post checkbox option but to do it specifically for the toolpath yep i have no idea how you would do it for the maybe you could manual and see it with a pass through oh yeah you probably could do that actually so i'll look into doing that because that's probably the cool. best way to handle that i think okay um because that just that'll easily post out of fusion which yep I'm always trying to like balance between making something really complicated and working really good versus like if I break this down in six months, am I going to remember how to run it or am I gonna <laughs> yeah. you know, kind of thing? So I don't and it the same stuff goes for like software, which I was actually going to kind of ask you guys about. And then Grant brought up Airtable. So my hesitation all the time with like starting any sort of management style software stuff is one i hate subscriptions but uh-huh. it's just the nature of today it is and then yeah. it's like i was like looking the other day how many subscriptions just me by myself for the business needs and i was like oh my god like this is ridiculous already uh-huh. and it's just like are there alternatives type thing but like i've tried trello too and that's I've the heard same of trello, thing. Yeah. Trello's good, but like you get into the whole subscription trap with it. And then there was another one I tried using. What are you trying to do with this kind of software? Well, the only current problem I have right now is do you guys use any file management stuff that can be accessed by like, quote, team members where they have their own access to it? None. No. Yeah. Okay. Because I kind of need something that's like, hey, uh, here are pictures, edit them, put them back into the file management kind of thing, and then I can take them and move them kind of thing. So there's like a seamless type flow. Like, I don't want to email people files, that kind of thing. Like, it's just cumbersome. It is like Google Drive, I guess. Yeah, so what I've used forever was Dropbox, and I like looked into actually like Dropbox's, you know, small business or whatever. And it was like, they require you to buy four seats or whatever. And it was going to be oh, like an astronomical amount of money. And I was like, do you guys have one for like <laughs> really small businesses? <laughs> like, it was something stupid. It was like 500 a year or something. And I was like, Jeez. oh my God. I was like, it's literally the same thing. Only I want somebody to be able to access the drive. Like, right. Like this. And then, you know, personal is like, it's $11 a month. Like, yeah. That the the cost value you're adding is not there. Like no, yeah. you're not using more server space. Yeah. So that just kinda it kinda irked me. So it's kinda I think Google Drive probably there's probably a better option there, but I know once you get into like the any sort of business related stuff to Google, yep. it starts to become like you know how you know how oh, that yeah. is. I mean, yeah. I mean I Hopefully. use Dropbox a ton for video editing with uh my video editor and I hate Dropbox. I, I let the subscription expire and I'm going to need to find something else because I just find it like so unintuitive and, and like annoying to use. And yep. and like yep. uh, like it, it just doesn't it's it's never clear if it's working exactly as you think it right. should. 
Yeah. What if you just set up a small server, like like just a crappy little home PC, and just use it as a server? That that is also an option, but I don't know. I kind of like the ability to access it from anywhere, and I know that you can do that with a home server, but I'm just oh. not skilled in that realm. So okay. I don't know. Me. Yeah, I don't. I'm really rusty and all that. I don't know if you need a static IP or not for stuff like that. But, oh, you yeah, definitely which, do. Which and typically only comes with business internet. Well, you can, you can get a static external IP on home, but it, you, okay. it just you just got to make sure that your uh, internet provider is, is cool, basically. Yep. Yep. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, so it's always like the balance between is this worth your time to try to set up like <laughs> right, enterprising yeah. thing. But I don't yeah, know. I would a lot of noise you know yeah i definitely take advantage of the cloud era that we're in uh i think google drive is probably your best bet and yeah unless you're doing some like crazy files size i think you can get away with either super low cost or like even the free one yep um so i don't know yeah they're, they're pretty reasonable sizes like just high-res photos honestly yeah, even sure. maybe like a discord server with nitro <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's what I'm kind of doing with uh, with at least Tom and, and Zeke is we post okay. things to the Discord. If we have files or updates or pictures or whatever, we just have an R&D chat that we put Yeah, in. yeah, I mean, if it's just pictures, I, I guess there's probably a lot of options like that. Do you, like, for that stuff, so do you ever worry that it's important stuff and then you won't be able to access it later type thing? Because what I'm saying um, is like, you know how like you don't really own anything is kind of yeah, the, I mean, yeah. is really the how the world is now. It is right. Yeah. It's like you you spend a lot of time building these things up just to like change or go somewhere else, or you lose access to it, or that company goes underwater. Mm-hmm. So I just like I don't. I mean, I, yeah, I, I know for a long term thing. It took me a while to get over that fear with Fusion having all of like you know oh, yeah. all of my critical CAD everything cad yeah. cam all of it just being locked away on a fusion server mm-hmm. um i've since just accepted it i, I guess i yeah. like i never i never liked the cloud when it was starting to become a thing i never liked that idea but i've just come to accept it yeah. yeah i i think the big thing is like if you want permanent and you know reliable keep an offline backup but for or quick do. access you know or or relative new stuff, I would use cloud because I mean I still have photos from like 2012 when I first got onto the cloud system and yeah right Google's not going anywhere I think it's definitely yeah, not yeah yeah it, it's it's complicated because it, it I think people want to uh, uh, say it's the same for every company and brand and product like cloud is bad or cloud is is good and it definitely depends because like you know uh i uh i think you know for for adobe i'm not saving anything uh over i'm not saving anything uh on the cloud i'm I'm, it's all local but i'm playing a a cloud subscription because maybe in theory (laughs) they would do updates that are good for me without having to buy the new edition for a thousand dollars every year, Man, uh, like the old days. But it's also very dubby. It's also buggy. Sorry, what was that? I said Adobe. That's a 
it's a literal topic on its own. Did you see the thing with the, was it the Pantone colors or whatever? Oh my gosh. I was like, that's, that's a great example right there. Yeah. Is that like wild. the, I saw a thumbnail for Linus tech tips. Yeah. Watch it. Wild. I'm not be able to re-explain it, but. But then like on the other hand, like when VHS tapes were new, uh, they were like eighty dollars. Oh gosh! Yeah. Like, and I, that might not even be in today's money. They, yeah, and right. so like, it's it's not a surprise that like renting stuff. Whoops! It's not a surprise renting stuff from Blockbuster became a big thing, you know. Yeah, and so it's the mm-hmm. same thing now where it's like I don't need to own uh, every DVD or every movie, every song. Uh, you know, it is also there is a reason where you you would want to rent it because it's very expensive to buy every song that ever existed. Yeah. I don't have like a a fear of the cloud or like losing things. It's more of like a fear of wasting time. Like, yeah, no, the fusion thing, I should probably try to make some local backups. It's for me. I don't want the locals. I mean, I don't want cloud stuff for Adobe, but for fusion, I will like check on stuff on different computers and I'll, uh, you know, the program will crash or whatever, and it automatically has backups. And for me, it's actually worked out pretty good that I've never felt like, oh, I got to make backups, even though I, mm-hmm. I probably should. Yeah. I mean, really, nothing is for sure. Anyways, no matter what, yeah, right. is, yeah. who it is type thing. But yep. oh, yeah. um, so, I've destroyed more hard drives than I have, you know, corrupted cloud servers. So. Right. I mean, yeah, I was going to say my... <laughs> My father was a, a some kind of web dev. I don't even know exactly what even to this day for most of his life. And uh, he lost all of his backups. He had two redundant backups uh, when lightning struck our house one time. Oh, gosh. And, yep. It fried his entire computer and, and, and both of his backup drives. Wow. And, and you know what? I have like a five terabyte drive that uh, luckily I had a backup backup, but I would have lost like a bunch of footage from my videos. Yeah, because uh, yep. it just died. Yep, and, and I've never so, had a problem uh, with cloud stuff. So it's it, it's a pain in the butt trying to manage terabytes of of video. Oh, I can only imagine. I have yeah. I have like like uh, I don't know like fifty terabytes of footage. Jeez, and maybe I should just delete some of it, but I don't know. That's crazy. Okay. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, other than, other than all that. <laughs> I've been actually making knives, which is cool. That's Very exciting. Nice. Another coming one. out good. Yep. They're actually so like the biggest change. And I think I talked about this last week was like just dedicating to holders the material. Uh-huh. One of the biggest like. I was like, yeah, it's going to be helpful. And I'm like, wow, this really works. Like parts actually yeah, come out of size. Because yeah. what happens is like you cut something with titanium, then you go to steel and you're like, it still exists. It can cut more titanium. <laughs> oh and no! You're like, hmm. Like, yep. stuff still is in spec, but not really. Like, stuff mm-hmm. has papers, or there's like chip in an end mill, and it leaves a little bump on the wall, so then you have to tumble it longer. It's just like the chain of events is shortened by keeping tools material specific, which it has is. been really helpful. Yeah. Yep. It's so, funny. Yeah. I used to keep end mills to be very material specific. Um, I'm actually going backwards a little bit now because I'm introducing more product lines and I only have two mills. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like my Miltronics was only running Prisma handles and like making the Prisma, which is all aluminum basically. Mm-hmm. And now it's running Slift T's, which is titanium. And so I, I have to figure out 
how I manage that because I only have 16 tools for two product lines now. Damn. Yeah, and I've been I've been breaking tools that shouldn't be breaking as often because they've been serving double duty and triple duty and running different materials and yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I I mean some materials like bronze and aluminum can can share, but yes, my what I've experienced especially with titanium is as soon as it touches tie, you can't do anything else and expect it to come back to tie and, and work the same. Pretty much. But through spindle air that. I was like, this also is probably not worth the three, four days I spent trying to get this thing to work. I bet it was. That's, that's an entire story in its own. But <laughs> when it got working, I was like, wow, tools actually last longer. That's really surprising. Yeah. I didn't think it'd be I'm a little bit jealous of your three spindle air. I would I'm, love that on my mighty. I'm yeah. very jealous. That's awesome. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, other than that, OSG tried those, those, uh, bottles. They're good. Yeah. I smoked one pretty quick. Like, interesting. I th- I thought it was relatively quick. I completely changed the way I was doing the milling, okay. actually, the hard milling. So I know you were talking about doing like a spring pass after basically doing. And I was thinking about it, and I was like, then of course I was doing more reading in a hard yep. milling as usual, yep. and I'm like, hmm, there's got to be a way to make this like really consistent. So yep. no, for a smooth I'm, bevel, I probably wouldn't do a spring pass. Yeah. All um, right. So what I'm doing is this probably won't I don't this probably won't last, but the last six I did was like do a normal adaptive rough and then do a, a parallel rest rough. I'm not really sure what you call this step, but basically yep. the parallel just makes it kind of in line with the rest of the following yep. toolpaths. Yeah, and then exactly. do a semi rough finish with a for on the fourth axis is a contour so it's basically like step downs mm-hmm. with a ball end mill a quarter inch ball end mill and then another ball end mill to do a semi finish and then a final finish with that oh OS. and so you that like, worked like, really really good because what i was doing was using the surface inspect now my yep. like, cmm people are gonna be like you're not really supposed to measure things with the tool that cut the yeah, thing right yeah but it's close enough. So yeah, yep. doing that actually has it when it does the surface inspect to being within like plus or minus three tenths on nice. the wow. everywhere. And I'm like, wow, that's actually really close. Like that's Impressive. as close as this thing's going to get. Yeah. And it's been really kind of eye opening actually using the probe more and mm-hmm. actually kind of trusting it or caring about the data and kind of tracking it and it's been oh, really yeah. helpful so nice. yeah and i got i ended up getting three total bevels out of the osg the first time but i was like okay. messing with feeds and speeds so i'm sure yeah part where and then when it actually chipped it it blew the corner out of it and oh really I, yeah i haven't chipped one yet really i have I have turned a ball end mill into a square end mill once, but it didn't chip. It just, it just kind of melted away. Yeah. And like it, you could tell cause it frosted the entire bevel. And I was like, oh, okay. chipped really bad. But what was yeah. interesting is even though it was frosted, there wasn't any dips or anything. It yeah. was actually still cut on size. And I'm guessing the other flutes okay. were slack. But I mean, yeah, on a smooth bevel, if it's a little frosted, but it's still a smooth finish. Tumble should probably mask that. Yep. Yep. So the <laughs> tumbling's been going 
better, but it's still like 10 nice. hours. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, we do eight hours for all of our parts that go and tumble. So, yeah, something, that, something that's been helpful is I leave the tabs on and I do the final bevel and then I tumble it. And then I yeah, actually I noticed that and finish all the critical features. So oh. lockup angle is freshly machined and then you only have to tumble that's for nice. like an hour. And yeah, then, I guess it's like, like that. really it comes out super consistent and there's no like over tumbling to it. So that's nice. I do something sort of similar. Yeah. Speaking of tumbling, uh, I had a binge and I went and looked at my, the advanced finishing website where we, or at least I got my media from. Okay. Yeah. That's where I'm buying from. And they're now always out of stock. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Probably. Um, I found that they have a burnishing, a, a steel stainless steel burnishing, media okay and so i bought some and so we'll see but it looks kind of cool do you have uh, to yeah. use that with uh with an abrasive grit mixed in uh i don't know <laughs> so uh, along the same lines and i was kind of doing this like last week but i want to try the high cutting plastic they have I, i've been avoiding plastics but i i know what you're talking about so Looking at it right now, I guess that the plastic actually has um, it has something on it that's supposedly will actually affect steel and stuff. Right. Yeah, I thought that they just the whole the plastic is like molded with abrasives in it. Yeah, well, so, they probably it, last longer. Well, it's it's the same exact thing as as far as I understand. It's the same thing as the ceramics, but the but the medium for the abrasive is plastic instead of ceramic. The yep. ceramics are also, you know, aluminum oxide or whatever mm-hmm. uh, abrasive impregnated yep. or, or, you know. Yeah. Yep. It's just really small grinding wheels, basically. Yeah. Well, well, it was like when I found out that if you rub a part against the sidewall, which is like um, polythylene, mm-hmm. I was like, I wonder if you could get the effect of that with a long enough run in plastic media. Because if you... If you actually do it, it turns the surface into a mirror. Like interesting, really right? Noticeable. Yeah. And so for like a fine finish right now, I have porcelain like balls basically to get yep. like a dark stone wash. But mm-hmm. I kind of wonder what the plastic would do. But it is a lot of money just to try it. So and, yeah, media is so expensive. It's and, and it's just, it's like gambling. Yeah, yeah. It really is. I have so much different media now. I'm, I'm <laughs> hoping the burnishing works, and I'll definitely let you guys know if it does. So yep. my my concern with plastic, which shouldn't be as big of a deal for you, um, but it was a huge deal for me, is is the plastic nodules or or you know the individual media they wore super unevenly. Like some oh. some plastic wore really small really quickly, and some plastic stayed big. And so I ended up with very inconsistently sized media and it mm-hmm. got stuck absolutely everywhere. Mm-hmm. I'd be yep. digging plastic out of the channels, like literally everywhere it could possibly get stuck. It got stuck. There's nothing uh, worse than making an automated process manual. Exactly. And so I would I would be worried, especially for your blade, if it gets stuck in like the pivot hole or if it in your handles, if it gets stuck in any of the holes, because it, then it'll tumble everywhere except where there's a piece stuck. And then when you dig it out, it'll kind of take a gouge out of it. Yeah. Um, a, so a it's, couple things. Oh yeah. Uh, I think uh, I've talked, I've like asked for recommendations from CM top line where you like, I can, you know, email them pictures of my parts. Yep. And uh, I don't think they've ever recommended 
plastic for steel to me. Okay. Uh, and uh, and also I heard that if you use plastic, maybe you have to be even more careful with getting rid of the liquids. Oh, oh. interesting. And that makes sense because it's getting instead of clay, it's microplastics. Yeah. 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 Probably mm, not great. Delicious. Yeah. Should we call it? Oh at yeah. That? Yeah, I guess so. Ended on microplastics. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. They're already in lungs. It's all good. <laughs> all right. All see right. You every see you next week, everybody. All Thanks right. for, for listening. listening. Have fun with your plastic, everybody. <laughs>